Hello, welcome to Rising Above Shadows of Abuse, Raza, with Grace of Ham. Last week's episode of Rising Above Shadows of Abuse illustrated how the current parliamentary system, and in particular, the layout of the confrontational approach of British national politics, makes for an uncomfortable, intimidatory and threatening working environment for women. This week's episode is a continuation of that which details some of the recent and not so recent incidents of sexual abuse that female MPs and women working for male MPs have been subjected to and will continue to be subjected to until there is a serious commitment to permanently change the way in which national politics is altered to be comprehensively inclusive to women. As a conservative MP arrested on suspicion of assault, sexual assault, rape, abuse of position of trust and misconduct in public office is released on bail, would take a look at sexual misconduct allegations made against MPs and their outcomes both in the current parliamentary period and historically. Before that, let's just recap on events of the past couple of weeks. As Raza detailed in the last episode, the Conservative MP for Tiverton and Huntington in April admitted to watching porn on his phone in the House of Commons. Parrish initially suggested he had opened the porn in error, but subsequently admitted that while the first time he had watched porn in Parliament was an accident, he was in fact searching for tractors. The second occasion was deliberate. He announced his decision to resign as an MP and a by-election is scheduled. Now a former MP, Parrish's belated acknowledgement that he had inadvertently become the accidental fulcrum of a strengthening misogynistic and sexual deviant storm was probably all the more galling for him because it overshadowed a far more serious issue. Imran Ahmed Khan had been convicted and sentenced for a sexual assault carried out on an underage teenager in 2008. Unlike in the distant past, today there are safeguarding laws to protect children from abuse, yet they rely on various authorities to enforce them. Khan is just the latest in a long line of MPs convicted of a criminal offence while in office, a position he continued to hold for several weeks despite issuing statements that he was going to resign. He was convicted of sexual assault on a 15-year-old boy who he had plied with alcohol and coerced into watching porn. Khan was sentenced to 18 months imprisonment and expelled from the Conservative Party. Passing sentence at Sodok Crown Court, Mr. Justice Jeremy Barker said the victim had been profoundly psychologically affected by Khan's actions. The judge also described Khan as having no remorse for his actions and added, I quote, The only regret you feel is towards yourself for having found yourself in the predicament you face as a result of your actions some 14 years ago. He also stated that there was a significant degree of brutality in the lead up to Khan's assault on the teenager. Quote, I am satisfied the complainant was particularly vulnerable. Not only was he 15 years of age at the date of the offence, I accept his mother's description that he was not very worldly and very young for his age. In a victim's impact statement, the now 29-year-old said 
he had suicidal thoughts and had suffered difficulties in his relationship and at work due to the assault and spoke of his increasingly deteriorating mental health. Despite the conviction and the judge's remarks, Crispin Blunt, MP, echoing Khan's barrister, who on a number of occasions throughout the court proceedings spoke of a life and career in tatters, yet made no mention of the abused boy in a sturdy defence, released a statement in support of his colleague. Blunt's statement read that he was, I quote, distraught at the terrible miscarriage of justice, end of quote, adding that Khan's conviction was an international scandal that relied on lazy tropes about LGBT people and the madness of today's woke reality, end of quote. Although Blunt later retracted his comments, that doesn't explain why he made them in the first place. Unless, after listening to the evidence while supposedly sitting in court, he came to a different conclusion to the jury. To bring these abuses of power right up to date, it was recently reported that the Metropolitan Police had charged an unnamed Tory party MP in his 50s on suspicion of innocent assault, sexual assault, rape, abuse of position of trust and misconduct in a public office. The Met Police said the MP has now been bailed until mid-June pending further inquiries. They further received a report of the allegations in January 2020 and had conducted a two-year probe into the claims before bringing charges. The MP is not being suspended by the Conservative Party until detectives from the Central Specialist Crime Unit conclude their investigations. He has been requested by the WIP's office to stay away from Parliament until the situation becomes clearer. Foreign Secretary Liz Truss said she was worried that there were once again appalling accusations against a parliamentarian, although whether her remarks related to the alleged crimes committed by the accused in London between 2002 and 2009 or the damage to the Conservative Party and government were unclear. Trust said she did not know the identity of the MP, but defended the Whip's decision, saying the party needed to wait until the conclusion of the police investigation. She added, and I quote, I'm very, very concerned about the reports I've heard. Clearly, this is a matter for the police. The police are currently working on the case, but it is worrying that we are seeing these appalling accusations again about, about a parliamentarian, end of quote. Raza agrees with her and the fact that these serious sexual allegations occur with regular frequency. In a further unsavory outburst, another Tory MP has been criticized for making light of the rape and sexual assault allegations against his unnamed colleague, with remarks described as grotesque. Michael Fabricant said there will be a strong turnout of Tories attending the forthcoming Prime Minister's question to prove they were not the unidentified man. In a tweet, Mr. Fabricant wrote, and I quote, I'll be there, followed by a winking face emoji. Welsh Secretary Simon Hart told the BBC that Mr. Fabricant's tweet was idiotic, it's insensitive, and it attempts to make light of a really serious situation. 
This latest arrest of a sitting MP comes at a time when the Conservatives have faced multiple scandals relating to sexual abuse and misbehaviour. But before we detail an all-inclusive sample of recent accusations and court cases from this current parliament, a look back at the murky and nefarious world of past British politics will shine a light on how historically these allegations have been resolved or not, as was inevitably the case. Cyril Smith was the highly respected Liberal MP for Rochdale from 1972 to 1992, yet after his death in 2010, numerous allegations were made that he had been a prolific serial sex offender dating back several decades. Smith was never charged nor convicted of sexual offences involving child abuse during his lifetime, although such accusations swirled around him like a torrid whirlpool of speculation and specific instances. The Crown Prosecution Service later admitted that Smith should have been prosecuted due to the vast number of complaints made against him by over 100 boys who made statements to the police that they had been subjected to prolonged and systematic abuse by him and his associates. Previous attempts to bring prosecution against Smith during his lifetime had been blocked by the police, local authorities and the intelligence service, all of whom had been implicated in this crime incredibly. Smith felt so comfortable with the fact that he was immune from prosecution that in private conversation with other parliamentarians, he even admitted that the accusation made against him were true. Years later, it was revealed that he was arrested in the 1980s in relation to some of these offences, including his participation in a pedophile ring, yet a high-level cover-up ensured that all charges were dropped and evidence destroyed by invoking the Official Secrets Act. From today's perspective, it now appears likely that Smith avoided prosecution on numerous occasions because he was a very important, powerful man who was protected by others in the upper echelons of government who wanted his sexual antiques and those of others kept secret. Beginning in 1991, several allegations of child sexual abuse were made against Greenville Jenner, MP, later Lord Jenner of Brownstone, dating back to the mid-1950s. Criminal proceedings brought in 2015 were halted by his death in December of that year. At the time of his death, he had been charged with 22 offences of indecent assault and burglary relating to nine separate complainants. The incidents were said to have taken place between the mid-1960s and late-1980s, when the complainants were aged between 8 and 16 years old. The prosecution had indicated it was seeking to add 12 further counts relating to three additional complainants. In all, Jana was the subject of four separate police inquiries, although any legal proceedings against him were dropped due to his poor health and his inability to understand the charges leveled against him. It was also concluded that any further attempts to prosecute were not in the public interest. A detailed investigation into the handling of the case against Janet by officials began in October 2020. In October 2021, the inquiry concluded that the police, I quote, appeared reluctant to fully investigate, end of quote. The allegations against him and the process had been murdered by a series of failings.
what had been referred to as the halo effect, where many powerful people had a vested interest in obstructing the case and a culture of deference towards high-ranking dignitaries may have protected him. In 2014, a detective sergeant serving in Leicestershire police claimed that senior police chiefs severely limited his inquiries into pedophilia allegations against Jenner, despite, I quote, credible evidence, end of quote, that warranted further investigation. However, despite this reluctance to prosecute, Jenner's legal representatives always thought it was very likely that the pair would face criminal charges due to the weight of evidence against him from multiple sources that took place over a considerable period of time. National Treasure Jimmy Savile was never an MP, but if he were to use the suffix or even the prefix right honourable, to refer to himself as the Member of Parliament for, say, Stoke Mandeville. Indeed, he was known, without irony, as Dr. Savile at some of the establishments he volunteered at. The public would have probably believed it. One of the perks of his privileged position in many of the institutions in which he volunteered was that he had his own bunch of keys that gave him access to all areas. There was no point in potential victims assuming they were saved by locking doors. A servile just prowled the, cor the corridors at night, unlocking them and entering rooms at will. Following his death in 2011, police launched an investigation into 500 allegations of abuse against Savile, dating from the mid-1950s up until shortly before his death. Despite his vast number of victims, current estimates put this figure even higher as more and more people have come forward with their own harrowing stories of sexual assault. The vast majority of the victims who were abused were under the age of 18, yet many of the accusations leveled against Saval were made years, if not decades, before his death, and it's a source of collective national shame that nothing was done at the time. In addition to his celebrity status, voluntary work and powerful friends, he took advantage of the UK's arcane libel laws that protect the rich and powerful at the expense of the poor, downtrodden and vulnerable. Like Smith and Jenner, Saval had access to those in high places. In his case, it wasn't just ordinary politicians, but Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher herself and even members of the royal family. He even wrote a PR handbook for the latter, specifically Prince Charles, who the pedo had a 20-year correspondence with on how the monarchy could improve their relations with the media by projecting a more positive and modern image. A five-page document called Guidelines for Members of the Royal Family and the Staff was written by Savile in 1989. It explains how he thinks the monarchy should react to major events, particularly after insensitive remarks made by Prince Andrew in the wake of the Lockerbie bombing and a number of other embarrassingly expressed opinions on topics of the day. Bearing in mind some of the scandals that have erupted involving just about every one of the Queen's offspring in the past three decades, it's very likely that the book went unread. 
Savile was a master in perfecting the act of hiding in plain sight whilst committing acts of abuse against young people over several decades. Such was the extent of his wide catchment of sexual deviance, it is probable that the true scale of it will never be truly known. Again, as with Smith and Jenner, Savile considered himself beyond the law, even going so far as to actually threaten police officers with legal action and losing their jobs should they even consider trying to prosecute him. So confident was he in the knowledge that he was untouchable that he often bragged, in one case on television, that any jury would always find a hospital and children's home volunteer with connections to royalty, government, and the upper echelons of power, far more credible than a bunch of kids stocking care and from broken homes. Despite being a renowned, mean-spirited skin flint who loathed spending money on even the basics, Savile backed up his threats to keep investigators of the saint by not refraining from spending his considerable wealth in the one area it really mattered, his expensive and well-versed legal team. Due to the UK's archaic law that benefits those with the ability to pay, such as oligarchs, celebrities, and the wealthy, one letter from them to an editor or producer investigating their client will stop any story or program dead in its tracks. This policy worked for Savile for decades and the extent of his abusive nature. The cover-ups only became apparent after his death. As ever, Savile was trumpeting his knighthood and powerful connections whilst hiding behind his charity fundraising work with ill and vulnerable children. George Cameron QC was a barrister who represented Jeremy Thorpe, MP in his 1979 trial for conspiracy to murder and was also retained by both Jana and Savile at various times. Carmen was well aware of the position the media found itself in when eager to report in the public interest on a prolific offender who had powerful friends, ample resources, and was opposing vulnerable victims. Despite being retained to represent Savile, Carmen later admitted that the allegations made against him were probably true. But the legal argument has little to do with establishing the truth, just demolishing the evidence of vulnerable victims whose testimony would not stand up in court. The legal advice Carmen would give back then, as he would today, where he's still alive, will be the same. Don't go public because you're going to lose when, not if, it comes to court and the defendant has more money than you. Every journalist can name the sex offenders, pedophiles and other outright villains who avoided justice because the legal risks were too high. If Savile had been exposed decades earlier, dozens, maybe hundreds, would not have been raped, assaulted and abused and the reason is the UK's insane liberal laws. The following list in alphabetical order as opposed to chronology, are some allegations stretch over several years relating to a number of cases of sexual abuse committed by MPs and personnel working for MPs that have either been investigated by Parliament or the police. In many cases, the inquiries have concluded with MPs either being disciplined, 
ejected from their respective parties, been deselected and in some cases prosecuted and convicted for a range of crimes relating to sexual misconduct or assault. In 2017, Sam Armstrong, who worked for Craig McKinley, the Conservative MP for Tanit, and another ardent Brexiter, was accused of two counts of rape and sexual assault by a woman who he had been drinking with in one of the Houses of Parliament's numerous licensed premises. Then went to McKinley's office and had what is described as consensual sex. Although the MP had previously made it clear that the office was not to be used for social purposes out of hours when he was not there. He was cleared of all the charges after police and prosecutors had admitted disclosure failures in the case that only came to light several days before the trial was due to start. Prior to this, Armstrong was murdered in a series of bullying and intimidation scandals involving volunteers working for the Tory party, which culminated in a young activist taking his own life. Armstrong was a close ally of Mark Clark, the so-called Tatler's Tory and failed parliamentary candidate, who was named as a bully in a suicide note left by the young Tory activist, Elliot Johnson. Clark had always vehemently denied any allegations of wrongdoing. The most notorious incident associated with Armstrong was an allegation that on the orders of Clark, he waited in foliage outside the East India Club in London to take photos of the former Conservative Deputy Chairman, Robert Hafen, emerging with his lover in mid-2015. Armstrong strongly denied the allegation shortly after the alleged incident was reported. Hafen admitted to having an affair with a female youth activist. Despite his vociferous denials, Clark has continued to be plagued by numerous controversies. Numerous reputable media outlets continue to publish allegations centered on Clark's activities. These include bullying, harassment, and threatening young members of the party who were supposedly in his duty of care, filming party activists, including MPs engaged in sexual activity to use as blackmail, collateral, and adultery, sexual assault, and sexual harassment. Stephen Crabbe, the Conservative MP for Presley, was referred to the party's complaints procedure in 2017 after admitting to sexual chatter, that is, sending explicit and suggestive messages to a 19-year-old woman in 2013 who hoped to work for him after he interviewed her for a role in his office. A friend of the woman said they saw messages in which the father of two said he wanted to have sex with her. Crabbe admitted sending the messages and saying some pretty outrageous things to the woman after interviewing her for the job, adding that the messages basically amount to unfaithfulness. Crabbe apologized for the messages and a Conservative Party investigating panel determined that his behavior had been inappropriate but did not constitute harassment. To date, he still remains an MP. Charlie Elphick, MP for Dover, was convicted and jailed for two years in 2020 for sexually assaulting two women. In addition, he was ordered to pay £35,000 in cost towards the prosecution. He was found guilty of three charges, two in relation to a parliamentary worker in 2016 and one in relation to a woman at his family's central London home in 2007. During the trial, 
Jurors heard that his first victim had suffered a terrifying episode when he assaulted her. The court also heard how he had asked one of his victims about bondage and sex, then kissed her and groped her breasts before chasing her around his home chanting, I'm in naughty Tory, I'm in naughty Tory. In sentencing, the judge described him as a sexual predator who used his success and respectability as a cover and told a pack of lies. On his resignation, his former wife, Natalie, replaced him as MP for the Kent constituency. Sir Michael Fallon became one of the most high-profile casualties of the Westminster sexual harassment scandal when various incidents came to light in November 2017. The Conservative MP resigned as Defence Secretary in 2017, admitting that his behaviour towards women in the past had fallen below the high standards required of elected representatives and government ministers. Fallon apologised for making unwanted advances to the journalist Julia Hatley Brewer by repeatedly placing his hand on her knee, although Halle Brewer herself insisted, quote, no one was remotely upset or distressed, end of quote. Even so, she later recalled that after Fallon persisted, she calmly and politely explained to him that if he did it again, I would punch him in the face. However, after his resignation, Additional allegations were made against him. He had been accused of lurging at journalist Jane Merrick in 2003. And it was later revealed that Merrick had contacted Downing Street about the incident several hours before he announced his resignation. It was subsequently reported that Fallon had been forced to resign in part due to an allegation of inappropriate and lewd comments towards fellow Conservative MP Andrea Leedsom when they both sat on the Treasury Select Committee. He was also accused of making comments of a sexual nature about other MPs on the committee and members of the public who attended hearings. The Observer later reported that, quote, the revelation was the tipping point for number 10, which had been compiling a list of alleged incidents involving Fallon since claims against him were first made, end of quote. In September 2019, he announced he would not seek re-election at the 2019 general election. The junior trade minister and MP for Wire Forest, Mark Garnier, was formally cleared of wrongdoing in 2017, following a one-month investigation by the Cabinet Office to see if he had breached the ministerial code for asking his former assistant to buy a sex toy and calling her Quote, sugar tits. Garnier did not deny the accusation about the events that occurred in 2010, but claimed the purchasing request and associated remark were made in jest as both he and his former assistant, Caroline Edmondson, were very good friends. It was also clarified that he actually asked Miss Edmondson to purchase two vibrators, one of which was for his wife and the second for another assistant. In a statement that further elaborated, he said, I quote, It is right that the public expect high standards of behavior from their elected representatives, and I apologize to my constituents that this situation has occurred. End of quote. Mr. Garnier said, 
Quote, the events of 2010 concerning myself and a former member of staff have been reported outside the context and circumstances in which they occurred. I want to be clear that I did not force or pressure her into doing anything. End of quote. However, a later statement from Carolyn Edmondson revealed a different perspective on the story to the one promulgated by Mr. Garnier. Friends of Miss Edmondson urged her to sue Garnier after he claimed the incident wasn't as bad as it looked due to their friendship. She said in October, I quote, I was really upset and I'm still upset about it. I find myself crying about it, however, many years later. He destroyed my life. That's just a fact. It was absolutely horrible. But by the following Christmas, Edmondson appeared to have had a rethink over the horror of it all. The Daily Mail featured her in a festive photo stunt, posing for the camera with her partner whilst holding a box of icing sugar up to her chest. Damien Green, the Conservative MP for Ashford, was sacked as First Secretary of State in 2017 after admitting he lied about the presence of pornographic images on his House of Commons computer. It emerged that pornography had been found on Green's work computer when he was arrested over suspected leaks in 2008 on suspicion of, quote, aiding and abetting misconduct in public office and conspiring to commit misconduct in a public office, end of quote. He was eventually found to have made inaccurate and misleading statements over what he knew about the claims that pornography was found. He was also accused of behaving inappropriately towards journalist Keith Maltby, who, who claimed he briefly touched her knee in the pub and texted her asking for a drink after seeing a picture of her in a corset in a newspaper. Maltby also alleged that Green sent her suggestive text messages thereafter. He disputed this, stating, It's absolutely and completely untrue. That have ever made any sexual advances on Miss Kate Maltby. Allegations of a similar nature were subsequently made by two other women who didn't wish to be identified and neither pursued the matter, fearing a backlash from some tabloid newspapers. Following the disclosure of a Dirty Tricks campaign, which appeared to target his accuser, it emerged that text messages passed to the mail on Sunday allegedly sent between Maltby and Green before she made her complaint had been edited and rewritten in order to inaccurately suggest that Maltby rather than Green had encouraged a continued close relationship and solicited a meeting between the two, something Green has strenuously denied. Green persisted in maintaining that he did not believe his behavior was inappropriate and still didn't, but added that he was sorry if Miss Maltby had felt uncomfortable. A cabinet office inquiry into the incident was unable to reach a definitive conclusion on separate allegations made by Miss Maltby that Green had behaved inappropriately towards her. Damien Green resigned from the government in 2017. In his resignation letter, he continued to maintain he did not download or view the pornography, but added that he should have been clear in my press statements. In July 2018, 
The Sunday Mirror reported that Andrew Griffiths, the Conservative MP for Burton, had sent up to 2,000, quote, depraved and sexually explicit messages in a three-week period to two of his female constituents, end of quote. In the wake of the allegation, he resigned from his ministerial position and he was suspended by the Conservative Party. Prior to this, he had been accused of inappropriate touching and bullying of a conservative borough councillor and the bullying of the leader of another council, as well as his former campaign manager. In November 2018, when interviewed by the Sunday Times, Griffiths reported that he planned to kill himself after the sexual misconduct allegations came to light. During the same interview, Griffith said that the texts that he had sent to the women were the result of my mental breakdown following a battle with my own mental health. He disclosed that he had a long history of mental health problems resulting from being allegedly abused at the age of eight by a 15-year-old boy. On 8th of September 2019, Griffiths was cleared of breaching the House of Commons Code of Conduct by the Parliamentary Standard Watchdog as it could not find any evidence that he sent messages while carrying out parliamentary activities. In November 2019, he stepped down as an MP and in December his wife Kate, as in a similar situation to Natalie Epkick, was elected to the seat. In December 2021, in family proceedings, a high court judge concluded that the former conservative minister raped his wife when she was asleep and subjected her to cohesive control. The judgment detailed alleged domestic abuse by Griffiths towards his wife during their marriage. The judge found he also pressurized her into having sex physically assaulting, verbally abused her and used, quote, coercive and controlling behavior, end of quote. And Griffiths denied allegations and adamantly denied rape. Labour MP Mike Hill was found to have broken Parliament's sexual misconduct rules, but not sanctioned as he had already resigned as MP for Hartpool by the time of the watchdog's ruling. The former MP invited a female worker at Westminster to live in his one-bed flat and texted her saying, quote, I also crave your body, end of quote. Investigators ruled. They also upheld the allegation that he came up behind the woman in his Westminster office and, quote, touched her inappropriately, end of quote. In July 2021, an employment tribunal ruled that the Labour MP repeatedly sexually assaulted and harassed a parliamentary staff member before victimizing her when she refused his advances. The tribunal also found he marginalized her in parliament, changed her terms and conditions of employment, and made her redundant when the staff member known as Miss A rejected his advances and declaration of love. He denied the allegations, but the panel ruled that Mr. Hill subjected the woman to sexual misconduct in his flat and in his office. Hill has resigned as a Labour MP in March 2021, resulting in a May by-election in Hartpool and a shock victory for the Conservatives. 
Kevin Hopkins, the Labour MP for Luton North, an ardent Brexiter, was accused in 2017 of inappropriate physical contact, alleged sexual misconduct and inappropriate behaviour towards a Labour Party activist and was suspended by the Labour Party pending an investigation. Later the same year, Labour MP Kerry McCarthy claimed that Hopkins had been paying her unwanted attention via written notes since 1994, when both were chairs of adjacent constituency Labour parties in Luton. The unwarranted attention allegedly resumed when McCarthy became an MP in 2005 and continued until early 2016. While Hopkins had not been physically abusive towards McCarthy, she did state to one newspaper that, quote, I was really, really wary of him. He left the Labour Party in January 2021 before an inquiry into sexual harassment allegations against him was concluded, meaning no findings were drawn. Hopkins continued to sit as an independent until he opted to stand down from the House of Commons after a 22-year career. The prominent Eurosceptic cited his wife's health as the reason for standing down and has denied the allegations against him. In 2017, Clive Lewis, the Labour MP for Norwich South and former Shadow Business Secretary, was cleared of allegations of sexual harassment after a party investigation. Lewis was accused of grabbing a female Labour member's bottom at a fringe event at the 2017 Labour conference that September. Video footage taken at the event emerged in which Lewis told the actor Sam Swan to... Quote, get on your knees, bitch. Lewis's language attracted criticism from a Labour colleague. But Swan later described the situation as jovial. She told The Guardian, quote, it is clearly jovial and nothing vicious. The whole event was so brilliant for seeing MPs letting their hair down and fucking around with people who support them. I think Clive Lewis is an absolute legend. However, Salakrisi, a fellow Labour MP, disagreed and said, quote, It's not okay, even if it's meant as a joke. It reinforces menace that men have the physical power to force compliance. Lewis subsequently tweeted an apology in which he described his behaviour as, quote, offensive and unacceptable. Brooks Newman, the Tory MP for Braintree from 2005, to 2015, resigned as Minister for Civil Society in 2014 after the Sunday Mirror revealed he had been sexting to and exchanging X-rated photos with an undercover reporter posing as a Tory PR girl and female party activists. The so-called activist was actually a man working for a tabloid newspaper and desperate for a scoop. The hapless reporter, Dismalee, failed to hook any other gullible MPs. It is understood that Newman did not face an investigation into sexting a male undercover reporter. During his time as an MP, Newmark co-founded and co-chaired Women to Win, a conservative affiliated organization established to encourage women into politics and public service. When the sexting escapades were revealed, Newman told the BBC, quote, I have no one to blame but myself. I have hurt those I care about most. He added, quote, I am so, so sorry, but I just need 
time with my family. Whether his family wanted to be with him was not disclosed. In July 2020, the BBC published text messages attributed to Rob Roberts, the Conservative MP for Dillon, and sent a female junior member of parliamentary staff. The text messages to the staff member suggested that she, quote, fool around with no strings. Robert told her he, quote, might be gay, but I enjoy fun games. The text messages continued after the intern reported struggling with her mental health. Roberts apologized for his behavior. He was suspended for six weeks after an independent panel found he had made significant repeated and unwanted sexual advances towards a former member of staff and used, quote, his position as his employer to place him under pressure to accede. In a separate incident, the independent expert panel ruled Roberts had committed significant misconduct and abused his position by making repeated unwanted advances to and sexually harassing a junior, a male employee. The IEP stated that, quote, the misconduct demonstrated here was significant. Mr. Roberts admitted he had asked a male member of parliamentary staff to dinner in the hope of striking up a personal relationship, but said he recognized this was completely improper. The Conservative Party said Roberts was strongly rebuked, but would not lose the whip. He was instructed to undertake safeguarding and social media protection training. The MP was stripped of his Conservative Party membership for 12 weeks. It was later restored, but he continues to sit as an independent MP and he hasn't had the Tory whip restored. In April 2018, Judd Woodcock, the Labour MP for Barrow and Furness, was suspended from the Labour Party amid an investigation into claims he sent inappropriate text messages to a female former aide. In 2017, a former staff member of Woodcock's complained to the Labour Party that he had sent her inappropriate text messages between 2014 and 2016. She reportedly asked for the case to be kept private, but details were subsequently leaked to two newspapers. Later that year, Woodcock quit the Labour Party, saying in a resignation letter that the disciplinary case was politically motivated and rigged against him. He vehemently denied the allegations, saying he did not accept the charge. Credence to Woodcock's denial of the allegation against him were partially confirmed when a subject access request by the MP to the party found emails in which officials discussed the need to, quote, deal with Woodcock in the run-up to the 2017 election. They cited another case where an MP had been accused of sexual impropriety as an example of how the party could refuse to endorse a candidate. Anonymous senior party figure later told the Guardian newspaper that, quote, there was always a group of people in the leader's office who wanted to hang a couple of our MPs on the right wing of the party out to dry, but wiser heads always prevailed. They added they were really, really going for him, Woodcock's resignation meant the investigation into the allegation was not concluded. He continued to serve as an independent and later joined the House of Lords as a crossbench live pair. Claude Webb, the former Labour MP for Leicester East and now an independent, was convicted in 2021 of threatening a female friend 
who she assumed was having an affair with her partner. The harassment Webb was accused of allegedly included a threat to send naked photographs of the victim to her children and threatening to throw acid at her. In court, the judge said her evidence was, quote, untruthful and that her defense was vague, incoherent and at the time illogical. A further hearing took place on 4th November 2021 when she was sentenced to 10 weeks imprisonment, suspended for two years and 200 hours of unpaid work. The Labour Party has called on her to resign from Parliament at the time of her conviction and she was expelled from the party on the day she was sentenced. Webb appealed against the conviction and it was dismissed in May 2022, though her sentence was reduced to 80 hours of community service and compensation to the victim reduced from £1,000 to £50. The judge found that Webb had not, quote, made a threat to throw acid over the women. The reduced sentence means that she will not be at risk of losing her seat following a recall petition from her constituents. She continues to represent the constituency of Leicester East, but as an independent MP. What history shows in this case is that almost all the allegations of misconduct or criminal activities were perpetrated by men against women or underage minors. The far bigger question is how and why this behaviour was permitted to continue and still continues for so long. It gives some men the feeling of impunity in an environment where they can behave in a manner that is a disciplinary or criminal offence in other vocations. Based on recent events, what seems likely by the time this podcast is broadcast is that there will be yet another allegation made against a sitting MP or someone else in Parliament for sexual abuse, deviance, depravity, all or three. The victim will in all probability be a woman or maybe an underaged male or female as the object of unwarranted attention. Another helpless MP will spring to the accused's defence and with no evidence whatsoever make a thoughtless, insensitive and stupid remark. This is the murky reality of contemporary British politics. What are your thoughts towards this piece? Kindly comment. Leave a review and share. Thank you. See you on the next episode of Raza, Rising Above Shadows of Abuse. If you've got any questions or inquiries, you can get in touch at rising above shadows of abuse at gmail.com or our social media platforms rising above shadows of abuse or our social media platforms at tiktok rising above shadows of abuse twitter rising above abuse youtube rising above shadows of abuse see you in the next episode and keep being positive take care it's been Grace Upper for, for Rising Above Shadows of Abuse. In short, Raza.